0: My name is Barry Sterling Mitchell. I produce the Sterling net point power rankings and the bias plus reports. And this is Ben and Barry on football.
1: Hello out there. I'm your co-host for Ben and Barry on football. I'm Ben Dickerson. Great week 17. Week 17 usually isn't as exciting, but this year it really was. A lot of teams fighting for last minute playoff spots. Teams playing spoiler and teams tanking. I just (laughs) absolutely, but before we go
0: any further, let's talk about our numbers for last week. Ah, I saw you calculating over there feverishly, so I assume you were putting your numbers together. Yeah, I can give it to you
1: real quick. The Dickerson report, eh? <laughs> the Dickerson report says that uh, after my glorious week last week, oh, I'm sorry, last week, the uh, I and the bias were exactly the same as far as uh, winning. About weeks, That was week sixteen, right? Week, that, week sixteen, yes. We
0: were exactly the same. All right, we're doing, doing week seventeen
1: now. Right. So week seventeen, the bias was seventy five percent. I was sixty-eight point seven five percent. So good job by the bias. It was a tough week for me, and I, I admittedly so. There were you know situations where some teams were holding out starters, situations where some teams um, uh, had the starters in for portions of the game. Some teams needed the game. Some teams didn't need the game. So that gave me a little bit of trouble. But I think sixty-eight point seven five percent is pretty good. Um, I also calculated the Vegas spread. Now, uh, just you know, to let everybody know, when the spread says uh, a team is favored to win by X number of points, okay, what they're saying is, for example, if they say a team is is a minus three, then that means that team is favored to win by four or more points. So if that did not turn out in Vegas's favor as they called it and you bet on that then you would have lost okay so calculating that the spread was 43.75% okay 43% eh
0: yeah all right so if you were betting on those teams to win Yeah, if you because of the spread, you would have you would have been only forty three percent right.
1: If you bet on every favorite according to the spread, you would have been forty three point seven five percent correct. And this and the bias was
0: seventy five percent. That's crazy. Yep. And I always try to. Well, first of all, I do always want to let people know that this is a grand experiment. Yes, yes, <laughs> the old,
1: absolutely. The Sterling
0: net point power rankings and the bias plus report is really a grand experiment. So we're really sort of tracking results, trying to figure out just you know how accurate it is and relative to any type of a forecast. But always compare it to the difference between an unmanaged mutual fund like the S&P 500 versus a managed mutual fund where you've got people who are picking the stocks that go in as opposed to there being a set, set of stocks and whatever happens, happens. It goes up, it goes down. Right. And so our um, saying is no opinion, no conjecture. So we, we didn't pick these numbers. These are simply tracking the numbers as they happen in terms of scoring margin or point differential, or net points, as we like to call it, all the same thing. So thank you for doing that. Uh, We did have a comment on YouTube asking that question. So I'll make sure that we go in and uh, have that uh, and leave a comment for that person to take a look at today's show, where we kind of go over and answer that particular question about how we do against the spread. Neither one of us are big gamblers. So (laughs) Absolutely. Well, all right, uh, Benny, let's get ready to kick this thing off the way we normally do, which is a review of week 17, which is also going to wrap up the season in terms of net points. So we'll know who came out of this regular season on top, on the bottom and in the middle. All right. So uh, let's see how this is all going to work here. We're working with a slightly different program and bam, how are we doing there, Benny? It looks good. That looks good. Okay. Move that up just a little bit more. And we can just about see everybody there. Okay. All of the numbers. So let's start out with the Sterling Net Point Power Rankings NFL Week 17 2021. Strangely enough. <laughs> Really screwing up my filing system because I, this is a 2020 season and now we're into 2021. So I have to count for that. But we're looking at points 4 We're looking at the scoring. Who are the scoring leaders for the, for the year, for the 2020 NFL season? Number one, with a bullet, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Not the vaunted Chiefs. <laughs> the high-scoring vaunted Chiefs, no. Number two, the Bills at 501. So those are your two 500 teams, two teams that are scored in the 500. Ben, could this be a Super Bowl
1: preview,
0: Mayhaps?
1: Uh, you took the words out of my mouth.
0: <laughs> a strong NFC and a crazy strong – Ben. You know, I dabble in the Madden, right? Normally, I play with my Niners, my beloved Niners, right? But, you know, it's been a crazy year. So I'm like, okay, let's, uh, you know, let, let's mess around with some of the other teams and see, you know, what what it's like to play with some of these other guys on these other teams, different quarterbacks and stuff. So, you know, I I've, I've played with the Cardinals. Very interesting. Chris, my son, he's a Cardinal. He likes to play with the Cardinals, you know? And I played with Aaron and with the with the uh, Green Bay Packers. And Aaron's arm is, is amazing. Playing with the Bills is like a cheat code. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, there's no throw you can't make. <laughs> I don't care how deep. You can be on your own 10-yard line and send them deep and lead them by five yards. <laughs> That's, crazy.
1: That's crazy.
0: And there's very few throws that Diggs doesn't come down with, <laughs> that is a luxury to have something, have a receiver that shorthanded. I mean, we, you know, the Cardinals, they they have nuke, right? But, I mean, Diggs is ridiculous. And I heard them talk about Diggs. Then they said, he may not be the fastest out there, but he thinks he is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: he runs <ones> like it. <laughs> that's,
1: that's funny, that's, <laughs> that's that's some Jerry Rice stuff right there yeah you know what I'm saying here's if I ran a four five forty four, four six, who cares if I catch the ball you're not going to catch me you're not going to catch me <laughs> <laughs> oh man
0: I'm telling you it's like a cheat code now I have to get used to the defense a little bit I gave up a few deep balls against the Chiefs and stuff like that but, you know, just in the exhibition game, I was able to beat the Chiefs on the game. I was able to go in. I had a, f- a few problems. You know who gave me a problem? D.C., Washington. <laughs> <laughs> Alex Smith was having his way with my defense for a little bit. But, you know, again, I was, I'm learning, you know, just learning to play with that team. And still, I was, I was working with a few new plays and stuff. But long story short, Bills are not to be joked with. Um, As a matter of fact, when it comes to scoring, took a look to see how how it looked over the last three weeks, NFL points per game. Buffalo is in first place over the last three weeks. You ready for this? Go ahead. Averaging 47.3 points a game. Woo! Tampa Bay is second over the last three weeks. Now, Tampa Bay here, where are they at? They're in third place. They're second here, averaging 40.7 points per game over the last three weeks. So, man, now, now number three is the Saints coming in at 38. Baltimore at 35. Tennessee at 33. Green Bay at 33 also. So that's like your top six right there in terms of just the last three weeks. Your top six here, Buccaneers at three, Titans at four, that's 492 and 491, uh, respectively. Fifth place, the Saints at 482, and then sixth, the Chiefs at 473. There's some people that are starting to lose a little bit of that Chiefs, you know, star in your eyes looking at them guys going on here, starting to wonder about them a little bit.
1: Yeah, they, they look a little ver- vulnerable from time to time. Uh, They have during the season, especially lately. um, They're not putting up tons of points. And they've had some struggles defensively against certain types of offenses. So it's going to be very interesting postseason. Obviously, uh, they have the bye in the first round. um, So they get to sit and rest everybody and and kind of game plan. And we all know um, Andy Reid's propensity to come out really strong after a bye week. So uh, this is the ultimate bye week for them. We'll see what happens.
0: And I didn't mention that we talked about the Packers being number one in scoring, that they also got have the bye. So those are your two bye teams uh, right there. All of the teams that we've mentioned so far have a letter or an asterisk beside their name, all in the playoffs. Uh, We got down to six, I believe. Seven is the Ravens at 468. Eighth is the Seahawks, four fifty nine. Ninth is the Colts at four fifty one. Now, after the Colts at ninth place, you start to get, in, get into the eliminated teams who've been putting up some points: the Raiders and the Vikings, four thirty four and four thirty, coming in at tenth and eleventh. The Steelers at twelfth, four sixteen. We're going to skip down over the Cardinals who did not, who also were eliminated. The Browns are in there at 14th in scoring, and they are at 408. All of the teams through from what is that? Browns are 14th. So that's 15th through 21 in terms of scoring are all eliminated teams. Coming in at 22nd and 23rd are your Rams at 372. And your Bears also at 372. So those Bears are putting up, have put up the exact same amount as the Rams, interestingly enough. Um, And then the team that's bringing up the rear in terms of scoring is your Washington football team coming in at 25th place at 335. And just for. Historic sake coming in an absolute last place at 32nd place are the Jets at 243 points. So there's your scoring right there, Mr. Dickerson, before we leave it, any
1: last points on this? Um, so the top 10 of the teams that are still alive ends at number 10 with the Steelers. Okay. Those are your strongest offensive teams. Um, I believe that the trick to going into the playoffs and having. Sorry, Steelers are 12th. No, the Steelers are 12th overall. Oh, okay. What are you talking about? The teams that are still alive, the Steelers are 10th. Oh, I see. Okay. that, That was my point. So of all the teams that are still playing, they're number 10 in scoring. Okay. Okay. And then. So on and so forth with the Browns. How many
0: teams is it again that are still alive? I didn't actually count down. What is it? It's a total of 14 teams. All right. So they're 10 out of
1: 14 Steelers. Right. Wow. Right. Wow. That's one way to look at it. <laughs> yeah. Right. So so if you if you wanted a, a quick top 10 of the teams that are still playing, it would end with the Steelers. Um now it's very important, and it's it's historically very important. That the team that usually advances to the Super Bowl, I won't even say wins the Super Bowl, but at least advances to the Super Bowl, is a team that gets hot near the end. It's a great thing when your offense is really cooking coming down the stretch uh, toward the end of the regular season. Teams, as far as points four are concerned, that are actually doing that now are the Packers, the Bills, the Buccaneers. And I would say, I guess I got to include the Saints, but I'd also say the Ravens, okay? Teams that are not on any kind of a hot streak or coming into the playoffs, you know, looking really explosive are teams like the Titans, teams like the Chiefs, and the Seahawks, not looking real explosive. Those teams are going to have to depend on their defenses to pull them through this thing where they're going to have to have their offenses wake up really, really quick.
0: Well, I I see what you're saying. Now, Tennessee does does come in fifth in terms of the last three weeks um, at 33.7 points per game on average, Baltimore being fourth at 35, the Saints third 38, again, Tampa Bay second at 40.7, and Buffalo 47.8. Three. So that's the last three weeks. This is the season. Um, and you mentioned defense. You ready to go look at that? Yes, sir. Let's scroll down. We have the ability to scroll here. Ben and Barry on football going to points against. And here you go. In first place. <laughs> Would you have bet that money? that the Rams would have been first place in defense for the year in terms of points allowed? Uh, Probably not. (laughs) I know I would not have.
1: Probably not. I I probably would have reshuffled that top three there a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now the Ravens, Steelers, okay, that name makes sense. Kudos to to the Washington football team. Excellent job on defense this year. Excellent job. Chase, Chase Young, man. And then the fifth place, Saints defensively. And, you know, the Saints have had their challenges. You know, they had to bring in Taysom Hill, play some quarterback. We still don't know what's going to happen with Drew Brees. We'll talk about that in the next segment on the Bias Plus report. But Saints, you know, with a top five defense, man, you know, historically, that ain't where they were. So, uh kudos for that. Um, sixth place, those dolphins. We we've, you know, we've lauded those guys all year. Look at the seventh place Patriots. It's a little fall for them because they were, you know, considering previous years, they might have been up in the top five. But that's not bad considering how rough of a year that the Patriots had.
1: Yeah, it's 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 difficult when um you have a lot of issues on one side of the ball and, and then on the other side of the ball, which was obviously the strength of your team coming in, they're not gonna be able to be as strong as they normally would be if in fact you had more ball security, um, more scoring um, and, and, and things of that nature. So uh, they've struggled, um, but you know it's a team game. You, you gotta make progress on both sides of the ball and the Patriots offense just never really, um, never really. The Patriots defense
0: had like the most opt-outs in the league, didn't they? Yeah, and they were still strong. And they were still strong. Exactly. That's my, that's why I brought, yeah, exactly. Wow. Okay. Eighth place you have, the (laughs) Buccaneers. Now, the Dolphins and the Patriots are sixth and seventh in defense, but they've also been eliminated from the playoffs. In ninth place, the Giants have been eliminated. Congrats to the <laughs> – we should call you guys the five stair steps because <laughs> you, like, go from 12th to 11th
1: to 10th to ninth place. <laughs> One step at a time, brother. One step at a time. we, we gonna get there. We're going to get there. I'm telling
0: you. I'm telling you. Um, and you're, you're above the Colts who gave up 362. The Chiefs also gave up 362. That's an interesting tie right there in terms of defense. Uh, we'll skip the Cardinals at 12, go to the Packers at 13, giving up 369, and the Bears at 370. I can see the Packers there. For them, that actually is not a bad place. I believe they were lower in the lower half earlier in the season. So they moved up to the top half for the Bears. Uh, Somehow, like the Titans, I'm a little disappointed. I keep thinking that the Bears are a little bit better than that. Um, Another team that moved up from the lower half was the Seahawks at 371. And I think I mentioned to you that, you know, I still had to work even on Madden with the Bills' defense a little bit. Um, They came in in 16th place at 375. So when you go over to the other side of the ledger, where pretty much everyone has been eliminated, the only teams that are on the other side of the ledger are your Browns coming in at 419. Uh, and that is at 21st place. At 24th place, the Titans, who I keep saying, I keep saying they surprise me to the where. The downside, <laughs> I keep saying yeah. Titans. I keep thinking that they should be oh, on the man. other side of the ledger for some reason, and that, maybe that's all in my head. So that's the final team. The Titans are the final team that are in the playoffs that are on the right side of the ledger. Everybody else um is uh, definitely in worse shape and will, again, call out the 32nd place Detroit Lions, giving up 500 and 19 points. <laughs> Ugly. Ugly. That's craziness. That is craziness. So any, anything else you want to say about the defense?
1: Uh, I don't need to really say a whole lot about defense. Let's face it. All of these teams have had issues during the season. All of these teams' defenses have been challenged and have not come through from game to game. For the most part, you can tell which defenses are the best, who's strong, who's not. Like the Titans defense is not strong. The Steelers defense is strong. But I've seen the Titans defense stand up, and I've seen the the Steelers defense get run on like they weren't even out there. So, you know (laughs) – it's a crapshoot right now. This is not the, 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 the old Chicago Bears or, the, or that great Ravens defense with, with Ray Lewis. Nobody is extremely dominant defensively this year, which I think is going to make the playoffs even more interesting.
0: Okay, there you go. All right, so that's your defense right there and points against. Let's move down to our favorite person. Will you stop saying that? <laughs> Todd, T-O-D, turnover differential.
1: Somebody's going to be like, how come you never introduce Todd? <laughs> like, why don't we ever see Todd? We see Ben, we see Barry. Where's Todd? Where's Todd?
0: That's <laughs> going to be a question. It's going to be like, where's Waldo? We're going to have a map.
1: Where's Todd at?
0: Well, number one in Todd. Are those guys, and I just finished talking bad about their defense. And it's really kind of weird that you would be number one in turnover differential. But you would be, where were they at in terms of defense? They
1: were extremely low. And and 24th? you're right. You're absolutely right. And it is very weird. However, I just said I've seen times when the Titans defense stands up, and this is how they do it. They protect the ball offensively and they turn the other team over. And hence they are in first. And this is their defense's saving grace. If there is one for them, this is it. Turnovers. Well, the, uh, the Colts
0: are in second place with plus 10. And again, turnover differential like net points, one of those stats that have both a positive and a negative number, um, these, all of these charts will be at the Sterling Net Point Power Rankings. You'll be able to go there and take a closer look and maybe examine in a little more detail. Again, we'll just run through 1 through 10 first and foremost. Number one, Titans at plus 11. Two, Colts plus 10. Three, four, five. One, two, three. Yeah, and five. All tied at nine plus nine. That's your Dolphins, Saints, and Steelers. Again, those Dolphins, man. Again, those Saints. Buccaneers coming in at six with eight, plus eight. The Packers at seventh with plus seven. Chiefs at eight with plus six. Browns at ninth with plus five. Now, your 10th is actually a three-way tie in terms of plus four with your Bills, Seahawks, and Ravens. So we'll we'll leave it there for a second. Any
1: comments? Uh, yeah, I mean, plus eleven is tremendous for the season. i'm I'm pretty sure. Colts, really good defense. We know that. Um, turning over the ball is a big deal, especially when you have a game manager a quarterback. You want to get the ball in his hands as often as possible. Um, Dolphins defense, very exciting. Guys flying all over the place. So they're going to make turnovers happen. Saints, much improved from past years, something that they've needed, something that people have said is the reason why they haven't won another Super Bowl. Steelers, Buccaneers. I mean, th- these guys, you would expect them all to be on the plus side at least. And as we can see, they're you know high up on the plus side because they control the tempo for the most part on offense. The quarterback is careful with the ball. They don't throw interceptions. They don't fumble a lot. And the defense hits and gets takeaways. That, that's, that's what it's all about. The team that
0: I'm a little surprised at is the Washington football team because they were they were making people turn the ball over, but they're minus four coming in at 24th place. Uh Bears and Rams are all also in the minus at minus 3 and minus 4 uh in 22nd and 23rd place. Anybody else on the right ra- on the wrong side of the ledger here that's still in qualification? No. So everybody else is on the other side. Um Seahawks, we already talked about those uh 13, 14, 15th and 16th are all eliminated teams. So turnover differential congratulations to the Titans on their first-place finish in turnovers um, for the 2020 season. Mm-hmm. All right, our next statistic, the one that we hang our hat on, and the basis for the bias plus report. Again, bias plus being where we take the net points and the turnover differential and use them to take a look and analyze upcoming matchups. And that's called the bias plus report. We'll get to that shortly, but let's just take a look at net points. So again, this is the margin that teams have won by. When you take a look at your points for, all the points that you scored, your points against, all the points that you gave up, and you separate those two, or you rather you uh, um, subtract those two, that number that results is net points. Well, Benny, let's get ready to kick off the bias plus report. So just to remind people how we do this, the bias plus report takes your sterling net point power rankings, the net points. So if you have two teams, one team is net points plus 50, the other team is net points plus 20, the difference goes to the point to the team with net point fifty. the difference of 30. So that would be a bias of 30 points going to the team with the greater number of net points. And then we add and utilize, utilize that same concept for the uh, turnover differential. Where we'll add, that will either add or subtract to the total. And then from that, we have what's called the bias plus reports. So this week, Ben, we don't have 16 games, man. I'm doing the calculations. I'm normally calculating through 16 games. I didn't know how to act with six games. I hope I got everything right and then screw it up with just six games. But you know, uh, and then just for everyone, we we're using gross numbers right now. So that's total numbers that we're using that represent the total season. Um, Next week, uh, we're going to go back to using average numbers. We use average numbers when there is a bye week because totals would not match up. Some teams hadn't played the same number of games. So we that's when we go to average numbers, and we're going to do averages next week. But for right now, as of week 17 in the 2020-21 season, everyone's played the same number of games. We're going to use total numbers, all right? So let's get ready to kick this off. With the first game of Wild Card Weekend, there's three games on Saturday, and there's three games on Sunday. I survived, Ben. No Monday Night Football, no Thursday Night Football. I, you know, it was a little difficult, but I did survive. I made it through. Yeah, so it's, now
1: it's tough. Uh, you know, I'm trying to get my MBA on and, uh, you know, figure out what's going on uh, with the NBA. Uh, Sixers are playing well, so I'm cool. Uh, yeah, Sixers are playing well.
0: I'm not, I'm not quite, excuse me, quite sure about my Chicago Bulls, but I'm not expecting a whole bunch from them. They're still in rebuild mode as far as I understand. But look who's not in rebuild mode. The Colts and the Bills. And the Colts have to go up. To Buffalo and deal with those Buffalo Bills, bias plus score of 31, which is not the smallest, but it's the second smallest of the weekend. Colts at Bills, bias plus score 31 favors the Bills.
1: Ah, boy, this is gonna be a good one. This is gonna be a good one. First of all, let's talk about the Colts. Uh, They went and beat Jacksonville last week, 28 14. Obviously, they were expected to win that game. Um, they did a great job. Uh, they didn't have too much trouble at all, to tell you the truth. Um, Phillip Rivers, as I say a multitude of times, game managed his way through this one 17 to 27, pretty efficient, only 164 yards. He threw one touchdown and he did throw one interception. Um, very modest numbers, especially for a game that was won 28 to 14 but that's because the ground game for the Colts is clicking. Jonathan Taylor, rookie running back, is just exploding week after week after week, and he went bananas again. 30 big-time carries, 253 yards, and two touchdowns. Wonderful, wonderful performance. Great game to watch. Love watching this guy break tackles and go up the sideline or up the middle. Really great running back in the making, another Wisconsin product. And uh, I love watching this guy carry the ball. Colts defense, very nice. Six sacks, a fumble recovery. They did their job and they're going to go up to Buffalo and they're going to do their best to come through with a win on this one. But I will say this, we got a dome team going to an outdoor stadium in the Northeast section of the country. Get that the Colts are a dome team. Beg your pardon? I forgot that the Colts were a dome team. Absolutely. Indianapolis. That's that's where they have the combine all the time. That's their dome team. Wow. Yeah, that 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 could be a detriment to them, but that remains to be seen. But a bigger detriment is gonna be those Buffalo Bills (laughs) who destroyed Miami last week 56 to 26. It wasn't even that close. Let me tell you something, man. We've been talking about the Dolphins' defense all season, and deservedly so. The Bills took them apart like they were nothing. I can't even blame it on the fact that Tua didn't play well and Fitzpatrick wasn't there to bail him out and the offense couldn't really even get anything going. They took them dudes apart. Man to man, you want to play as man to man? Okay, fine. Josh Allen, 18 to 25, Extremely efficient, 224 yards, three touchdown passes, one interception in the first half. (laughs) I love doing that. I love doing that in the first half. He sat down after that. Okay. Let's talk about the Bills defense. Only one sack. Yeah. A whole bunch of hurries and hits. Got three interceptions, one fumble recovery, and one of the interceptions was a pick six dominant performance. <sighs> Take the bills going with the bias. I don't think the Colts will be able to get through this. It's a little bit too much. Bills are fire right now. Fire. I'm telling you, if it, they're, they're they look unstoppable right now. They really, really do.
0: Yeah. You know, the bills, um, are winning by an average scoring margin of 29 get points over the last three weeks. They are number one. When I look for the Colts, when I look for the Colts, there they go. All right. They're not too far down, but they're, their last three games, their average uh, scoring margin is 5.7. Okay. So... Uh, right now, when I looked at the uh, according to ESPN, the line for the um, for Buffalo is minus six and a half. Minus yeah. six
1: and a half,
0: yeah, that may change, that may change, but that just says that uh, they think Buffalo's gonna win for sure. That's a pretty strong line in Buffalo's favor. So, all great. right. And you're going with Buffalo Bills. The Bills. All right. Let's roll this bad boy up a little bit. Ben and Barry on football. Bias Plus report. NFL wild card card playoff 2021. Rams at Seahawks. Bias Plus score. And this is the smallest Bias Plus of the weekend. And, of course, it's my NFC West. (laughs) Yeah, we got a divisional matchup here you got a divisional matchup and a wild card. Yeah,
1: that always makes it a little bit more interesting.
0: How crazy is this game going to be? It favors
1: the Seahawks with a bias plus score of 19. 19, again, not a big bias. Um, Rams have to go up to the Seahawks. Uh, I'm not going to say that's going to be extremely tough. I don't know what the weather's like up in the Northwest right now, but it sure ain't L.A., (coughs) that's for sure. So... That remains to be seen. Um, Now, a little intrigue with the the Rams. Jared Goff didn't play last week. He injured his thumb. I believe he had some surgery on that thumb. I don't remember hearing if any pins were inserted or anything crazy like that, but he did have some sort of a procedure. He has been seen throwing the ball in practice, but it is still up in the air as far as whether he's going to play in this game or not. Or they're going to go with John Wolford again. Now, John Wolford beat the Cardinals last week 18 to 7. It's a good game. He wasn't horrible. He was 22 or 38, 231. I shouldn't say he wasn't horrible. He was actually pretty good considering, but he was uh, 22 or 38, 231 yards through the air. He didn't throw any touchdown passes and he did throw an interception. Here's, I think, where he got the Cardinals. He ran the ball six times for 56 yards okay and that was a a bunch of chunk chunk plays that helped keep the sticks moving and get the rams in position to kick three field goals so he didn't throw any touchdown passes but he moved the offense they scored at the end of each of those three drives and that helped them quite a bit uh cam akers only carried the ball 21 times for 34 yards. He's worked his way up to be the number one back there when it was basically backs by committee, but he's pretty much it right now. Uh, he didn't That's hit. less than two yards of carry there. Yeah, but he caught the ball four times for 52 yards. Ah. A lot of damage through the air. Again, okay. Versatile backs. It's great to have a bell cow. It's great to have a Jonathan Taylor. It really is. It's great to have a Derrick Henry. Well, I can't put Derrick Henry because Derrick Henry can catch too, but Versatile backs are extremely important. they got to be able to run from scrimmage. and They have to be able to catch the ball through the air. Cam Akers has proved that he can do that. Now, the Rams vaunted defense. Great game against Arizona. Had Kyler Murray all jacked up. In fact, he sat out a couple series. I think he came back. I can't even remember if he finished the game. But they had four sacks, uh, one interception uh, that, that they took home for a score. That was a pick six. And they also recorded a safety. It's funny, um, talking about Cam Akers. Cam Akers had a fumble right near the goal line. And uh, I'm going, oh, come on, Cam. And then the Cardinals come in there. They can't move the ball and they take a safety. So the defense scored. <laughs> so they got a play. So the defense scored six, seven, eight. defense scored eight points out of that 18, okay, with a touchdown on the pick six and a safety. So good job by the Rams defense. Now, my man, Russell Wilson. First of all, they had a um, a game against the, uh, Vaunted, uh, the Vaunted San Francisco 49ers. I meant to say against your San Francisco 49ers. Um, they won the game 26 to 23. Game was pretty competitive. Uh, Russell Wilson has not looked his normal self coming down the stretch here. And I already spoke about. Um, teams that have a lot of momentum coming into the playoffs, obviously winning games gives you momentum, but the way that you win the games, whether you can show dominance when you need to is extremely important. And they should have had extra incentive. This is my opinion. They should have had extra incentive playing against the team in their own division. Uh, But I'm thinking maybe they had a little less incentive because the team that they were playing was already out of playoff contention. Needless to say, Russell was 20 or 36, 181 yards, which is not good numbers for him, but he did throw two touchdown passes, and he threw them late in the game too. So as he does, you know, regardless of how badly they play, he somehow has a way of uh, or somehow finds a way to, to pull things out at the end, which is exactly what they did. Tyler Lockett had a huge day, 12 catches. 12 catches is a big day for any wide receiver. I don't care who you are. 12 catches, 90 yards, and he scored two touchdowns, those two late touchdowns, to help them win that game. Uh, Chris Carson did pretty well, carried the ball 11 times for 44 yards. He had two catches for 39, so he helped the offense in that respect. But um, wasn't a big running game against the 49ers, which I thought it would be. Uh, it's pretty much left on Wilson uh, 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 Russ, uh, bleh, I'm sorry, Russell Wilson's shoulders to pull it out. Um, in fact, they were down 16 to six at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Yep, and ran off three touchdowns mm-hmm. uh, because uh, a guy came in for uh, Carson. Uh, I forgot the other running back's name. It wasn't Carlos Hyde. It was like the third string guy and he was able to run a touchdown in. So that was a big fourth-quarter explosion to help them pull that game out. The Seahawks' defense had three sacks, and they did recover a fumble. So kudos to them for pulling it out and doing what they had to do. Uh, I am going to take the Seahawks in this game. I'm going with the bias, but this game could be a slobber knocker. This one could be tough. The Seahawks are going to have to find a way to slow down that run game, regardless of if goff plays or not but if goff doesn't play and the seahawks are able to get some points on the board and force wolford to have to throw to stay in the game then they can turn loose their uh their pass rush and that should get them through that's what i expect to happen so i'm taking the seahawks going with the bias all right good stuff good stuff let's see
0: Who's up next after Rams and Seahawks? Bias Plus report: Buccaneers at the Washington football team. You mean the Bucks had to go to Washington?
1: Yes, <laughs> because Washington one was a division winner, and the Bucks were not. And the Bucs were not. Wow, that don't even sound right. It doesn't. It, it doesn't make. Come- They've been talking about changing these rules. I don't think they will, but they've been talking about changing these rules and seeding the teams according to their records and all, and not – but it's hard. It's hard to not give a division winner something. You know what I mean? I I understand that. So they give them home
0: field advantage. I mean, that's just the way it is. Well, the bias plus score is 143. It favors the Buccaneers. Hmm. When I look at the um, at the points per game, Tampa Bay is second over the last three uh, weeks. That Washington football team, again, we don't know if it's going to be Alex Smith or not at this point. Am I correct?
1: Uh, we don't know that for sure. He did make it through last week's game without too much trouble, Um, no setbacks as far as his calf injury is concerned. Um, I've heard talk of playing him and Taylor Heineke from time to time. I don't know how they're going to do it or if they really will do it, but talk is in the air of that. I don't necessarily approve of that, but (laughs) – if you have two quarterbacks, you really don't have any. But we'll see. I don't believe that anymore. What? Really? I
0: think that the Saints are the perfect example that that's not uh, a it's hard and fast rule anymore. That's different. That's different. It's different. Oh, it is. Why is it different? <laughs> Why? Because you don't consider t- <laughs> um, you don't
1: consider Taysom a quarterback. No, I I, I consider Taysom an athlete who can play several positions, but has proven that he can play quarterback. Now, if he played quarterback full-time at this point in his career, he would not be an elite quarterback. But he's on a really good team, and he would do what he has to do, and they would tailor the offense and so on and so forth. But I don't consider them having two quarterbacks. Having Taysom in the game kind of opens up the whole Wildcat situation, okay? Okay. And lots of teams do that. They just don't do it as often as the Saints do. And He's so much more than a Wildcat guy because he will throw the ball. No, I understand that. And I was about to say the difference between him and other teams running a Wildcat with a running back is that you know he has the ability to throw the ball, which is a plus for their team and a plus for doing what they do. But if you really go back and track the games when he came in for five, six plays a game, the majority of the time he ran the ball.
0: Well, yeah, and, and they use him situationally. Um, but I just I, – I admire that they're able to do it so well situationally. Um, you know, you hear what you said about not having two quarterbacks. And, okay, I can understand he's not their other quarterback per se. Um, But if you don't have a Lamar Jackson, if you don't have you know uh, um, what's the the, bull, the Buffalo quarterback Josh, yes, yeah, yeah, you sure. don't so have that guy. Up that and the head best head you can, huh? So Taysom
1: Hill is able to compensate for that.
0: Yes, so you you know
1: it's, do, it's the best of both worlds element to a team. <clears throat> excuse me, that really doesn't have a quarterback who can move. So it's wonderful. That's great. But I still don't look at that as having two quarterbacks. Having two quarterbacks is exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about Alex Smith and Mr. Heineke, okay? Alex Smith can't do nothing but play quarterback, and Heineke can't do nothing but play quarterback. But (laughs) Heineke can run a little bit, so he will add a dimension that Alex Smith doesn't have. And it's good to have something like that on the offense And if they do that and use him that way, then that could actually be a plus for them. Yes. I think I also need to make a correction for last week. I
0: do believe when I was talking about um, the LA Rams quarterback, um, Wolford, right? Yes, sir. And I said he, and I believe I
1: said that he was with Canada, the Canadian League but he was actually with the AAF actually playing the AAF. Yes. I saw that. And I meant to say something and I forgot, but that. Is- but Heineke was he not in Canada? I believe
0: Heineke was in Canada. Yes. So that's where I got my confusion. And was you had the two guys that were stepping in and, in those situations. Okay. All right. So okay. long story short now, as we finish up this particular game, well,
1: I really didn't get started because as soon as I made my two-quarterback comment, you stopped me. <laughs> okay, go ahead then. Buccaneers at <laughs> Washington, what else you got? So I will So I will continue. Okay. Um, we already talked about Alex Smith, which I was going to bring up. Um, but he did play last week. It was a very gritty performance. Uh, I, again, you, you can't say enough about him after the injury that he had and all that. So I understand them being uh, careful with him but he was able to make it through the game. Um, he did throw one TD. Um, no, he threw two touchdowns, one in the first quarter, one in the fourth quarter, pull out the win. I don't want to even get into the whole thing because they were playing the Eagles, and that, that's another subject that we'll talk about later. But the bottom line is they got the win. Now, Antonio Gibson, the star running back, had 19 carries for 75 yards. Good job, much better than the week before. This guy's dealing with a turf toe. So that's tough, but he seemed to make it through okay, and that's a good thing for him. Um, And he handled the ball most of the way in the fourth quarter to help close out the game. So, you know, your number one back's got to be able to do that for you. Terry McLaurin had a great game, seven catches, 40 yards, one touchdown. Logan Thomas, the tight end, three catches, 37 yards, one touchdown. And the football team's defense had three sacks, two interceptions, and a fumble recovery. The Washington defense is no joke. These guys can play in the back end and the front seven. So this game is not a pushover. The 143 bias is pretty big. It's not the biggest we've seen, but they can be a problem. It's going to be important for that to happen. It's also going to be extremely important for those receivers that I just mentioned, McLaurin and the tight end Logan Thomas to have big days because I don't know if, uh, Antonio Gibson is going to have a really great day against the Buccaneers defense, but we shall see now. Let me see the Buccaneers. They blew Atlanta out. Okay. And you know, Atlanta's had their problems on defense. So we're not going to make a big deal out of this. Uh, Tom Brady was 26 of 41, 399 yards. Great day. Four TDs. He only threw one interception. Ronald Jones is back off of COVID, off his fractured finger, which I hear is actually still bothering him, but he did in fact carry the ball 12 times for 78 yards, and he scored a touchdown. So that's a great thing. Uh, I'm I'm sure they're glad he's back because Fournette really wasn't giving him anything, and uh, as long as Ronald Jones is turning out the yardage like that, Fournette will probably be um, the third down back at best, maybe the goal line back, maybe. Okay, so you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a big Fournette fan, as you can tell. Uh, now, here's the crazy part about Tom Brady's day. We already said his numbers. We know he had a great day. Last week, I talked about his receiving core, and I said if you match up all the receiving cores across the board in the NFL, the Buccaneers have the most dangerous receiving core. Listen to this: Mike Evans only had three catches. I think it was early in the second quarter or late in the first quarter when he hyperextended his knee and went out. And that one would have been a touchdown. So he was held without a touchdown, but he had three catches for 46 yards. He goes out, Chris Godwin, five catches, 133 yards. Chris Godwin, the the so-called possession dude, right? The slot receiver. 133 yards, scored two touchdowns. And guess what? Take the top off it, Antonio Brown. Fourteen targets. We already knew Tom Brady loved him. People were complaining, "Oh, he's forcing the ball to Antonio." Fourteen targets. He came down with eleven of them. One hundred and thirty-eight yards, two touchdowns.
0: They're. I don't, think, I don't think they're using them to take the top off anything. No, they're throwing underneath
1: stuff to him, and letting him run. The, the thing is, he can take the top off. That's true. Unlike, but unlike other receivers, D jax <laughs> he can do so many other things. Okay. <laughs> Extremely versatile guy, dangerous no matter where he is, runs the entire route tree. Watch out. Him and Brady are getting to be on fire, and you cannot double anybody on that squad. Can't do it. That's what makes them so dangerous. Okay. I'm not even going to talk about Gronk. Um, yeah, no, but let me mention in terms of
0: Antonio, I just want to say kudos, zero drama from him. So far,
1: so far, so good. So go with the bias, take the Buccaneers. I'm sorry, Washington. I hope this is a really good game. I can't see them winning it, but I I anticipate them giving the Bucks a little bit of trouble, at least early on. So you're going with
0: the Buccaneers. Um, Vegas has the Bucks opening up at minus seven and a half. So there you go. Next up, Ben and Barry on football. NFL wildcard playoffs 2021. Bears at Saints. Bias Plus score 156 favors the Saints.
1: Uh, yeah, sure. That makes sense. L- let's face it. We're talking Drew Brees against uh, uh, what's his name? Oh, yeah. Mitchell Trubisky.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I tell you what, the guy had a few really good games. Okay. In fact, uh, let's see. I had made a little note about him here. Yeah. Three of the last five games he's thrown for 265 plus yards and three touchdowns. That's not total over the three. In three of those last five games, he threw three touchdowns in each one, okay, and 265 or four 265 or more yards, and people were going, oh, my goodness, including me, Mitchell Trubisky, wow, he finally gets it. Here we go, and then I'm listening to some show. I can't remember which one it was, and Nick Foles' name came up. Are you kidding me? Come on, Bears. Come on, Chicago. Stop that. Now, that's not to say that if Mitch comes out and the pressure gets to him and he starts trubisky in it up early, that foes won't come in and try to close out the game. But either way, I don't see them having, uh, having much of a chance. If they are going to have a chance, they need to make Trubisky's job easy. And the only way they do that is with the running game. And I've talked about it and talked about it and talked about it. David Montgomery, my man, last week, 22 carries, 69 yards. Doesn't sound like a lot. Caught the ball nine times out of the backfield for another 63 yards, and he scored a touchdown on the ground. 22 carries for 69 sounds like not a real good average. But when you're pounding the rock, that gets you over. You know what I mean? And, again, like I said, it makes Trubisky's job easier. Allen Robinson is a great receiver for them. But the young rookie, Darnell Mooney, had 11 catches for 93 yards. He's an up-and-comer. He's dangerous, very hard to cover. He's a small guy, runs really good routes, and is really, really quick. Um, He's—he—he. He, no, I'm not going to say that. I was going to say he's uh, kind of a low-grade Tyreek Hill. I, I, I could get away with saying that. The kid's pretty good. If you haven't paid any attention to him, you need to start. Um, he, he, he's a difference maker. Now, as far as the other side is concerned, uh, Drew Brees and the Saints had no problems with Carolina. Not to mention Teddy Bridgewater was all over the place. Yo, they gotta, they got it. They got to draft a quarterback, bro. They're in trouble. But <laughs> uh, Brees was 22 or 32, 201 yards, three touchdowns. Um, that's without Kamara, without Latavius Murray, without Mike Thomas. Oh boy. Whew. I tell you, Saints are dangerous. The defense had three sacks and five interceptions. But a lot of that has to do with uh, with Teddy Bridgewater. I, I, don't, I don't know. Somebody put something in his drink or something. That's crazy. So we're going to go with the Saints on this one. Again, sticking with the bias. I hate to do it, but I have to do it. I really don't see the Bears being able to slow the Saints down at all. And the Saints defense is going to be too much for Trubisky. Too much.
0: Interesting thing here is that Buccaneers have the third ranked offense. Washington has the fourth ranked defense. So uh, ranking-wise, they're pretty close. Challenge is that the Buccaneers have the eighth-ranked defense, and Washington has the 25th ranked offense. Ergo Saints. I mean, um, yeah, Saints are favored uh, favorite there. So that that, and and if you're looking at uh, Q- QBR and I'm not saying the ratings this is the actual QBR rating uh, Mitchell comes in at 61.8 Breeze comes at 74.5 so you have an obvious differential in terms of the quality of quarterback there so no problem with that let's look at what's next on the docket oh my goodness you want to run the ball Benny <laughs> If if you're a favorite, if, if you really love the run game, this is the game to watch. This is the game to watch. Ravens at Titans. Bias plus score one oh six favors the Ravens. And everybody's talking about last year, how it didn't work out for the Ravens, couldn't handle that run game with the Titans. Uh,
1: I'm I'm sure that the um, John Harbaugh is using that as some bulletin board material. They got to this point last year against the same team and they were not able to pull it out. And in fact, um, I don't want to say they got beat handily because I can't remember the score, but, um, Titans kind of had their way with them. Ravens had all kinds of problems in that game. So they want to try to correct that and flip the script this time around. They get their chance, uh, Lamar Jackson and the uh, Ravens beat Cincinnati last week, 38 to three. No big deal at all. But if you wanted a blueprint for the type of offense you run, when you have a threaded quarterback like Lamar Jackson, that game showed it. He only threw the ball 18 times. He completed 10 for a meager 113 yards, but three touchdown passes. So when he counted, he was able to find the end zone. That's what's most important. He did throw one interception. Of course, he ran the ball 11 times for 97 yards. Most teams wish they had a running back that could churn that out week after week. Okay, 11 rushes, 97 yards, and that was in three quarters. He did not play in the fourth quarter. Wow. To add on to their running prowess, J.K. Dobbins, who, again, just like Cam Akers for the Rams, has basically taken over as the number one running back on a team that pretty much went through most of the season as a committee-type running back situation. Uh, He had 13 carries for a big 160 yards, broke off some nice long runs, just like Jonathan Taylor for the Colts did. It was a joy to watch. He had two touchdowns. This young kid is going to be big, for the the next bunch of years coming up, he's the real deal. Um, Gus Edwards backed him up. He had 12 carries for 60 yards. And the Ravens defense, although they didn't get any sacks against Cincinnati, they did get two picks. So the Ravens are coming in. They're feeling good. Uh, They're able to run their regular game plan with a lot of efficiency. And I'm sure they're going to try to do the same thing against the Titans we shall see, because we do know that the Titans' weakness on defense is stopping the run. But like I said, I have seen them stand up. We'll have to see if they can stand up. Now, as far as their offense is concerned, Ryan Tannehill was 18 of 28 for 216 yards, and he threw a touchdown. He also carried the ball seven times for 38 yards, and he caught and he scored two touchdowns on the ground. I'm starting to get used to that little finger roll he does when he runs into the end zone. He he is a true dual threat. Lamar Jackson is the ultimate dual threat, but Ryan Tannehill, believe it or not, is a true dual threat, especially in the red zone. He needs to be watched. You can't sleep on him, but it's hard when they're running Derrick Henry at you 34 times for (laughs) 250 yards dog he He took 34 handoffs for 250 yards and scored twice oh my goodness gracious Uh, they were playing Houston by the way who obviously is challenged on defense but tried to make a game of it it was 41-38 yeah Deshaun Watson is a beast I don't want to waste too much time talking about teams that didn't make it but my goodness (laughs) They just kept coming and coming and coming. But, you know, what are you going to do? A.J. Brown, some spectacular catches, especially one late that helped the Titans actually win the game. He had 10 catches for 151. He scored a touchdown. And guess what? The Titans defense had four sacks, and they did get a pick. Okay? The challenge for the Titans defense is to get all the tape they can on Lamar Jackson going all the way back to college and figure out any tips, any reads, any scheme fits they can find to stop the read option because they're going to get a bunch of that this weekend. That's that's all I can say. You got to make Lamar beat you through the air. I'm sorry. That's, that's the only way you're going to have a chance. And I think they do have a chance. They've done it before. I think they're going to do it again. I'm going to go with the Titans. Oh, my goodness. You know know I can't go with the bias on every game. I can't do it. Jamie Christmas. I'm taking the Titans. Now, listen.
0: When I look at the numbers here, okay, you've got... Some parity relative to ranking with the Ravens coming in with the second ranked defense and the Titans coming in with the fourth ranked offense. So you got some parity there. Challenge comes with the Ravens' uh, second ranked defense. I'm sorry, seventh ranked offense and the Titans' 24th ranked defense. So I heard you say you've seen them stand up. But relative to the last three weeks, Baltimore is number one in uh, opponents' points per game, averaging giving up only 10 points per game. Uh, The Titans, 32, 31, 30, 29, 28th in the last three weeks, giving up 34.3 points per game so that point differential in terms of defense there is about 23 points a game favoring the ravens so i'm gonna count to three to give you a chance to change your mind oh you know i don't do that i don't do that going with the titans going against the ravens looking for the titans to be the bias plus buster of the week because that's what it would be. Uh, there is one maybe larger bias. Yeah, yeah.
1: I tell you this. I looked. I looked real quick at the uh, at the team sack leaders, and the Ravens are 14th as far as combined team sacks is concerned. So we know you cannot stop Derrick Henry. You can only hope to contain him. If they have any trouble. They can turn to Tannehill. The Ravens can't get to him. It could be a problem.
0: The main thing that they keep saying it about the Ravens, I think, is that if you can get two touchdowns up on them and force them into a passing. They have
1: trouble coming back.
0: That's going to be the question. All right. Going with the Titans over the Ravens. Tisk, tisk, tisk. All right.
1: What? What is that?
0: <laughs> All right. This looks to be the Sunday night finale. Eight fifteen. Cleveland Browns at Pittsburgh Steelers. Bias plus score one nineteen favors the Steelers. Ah yes. <laughs> so the Browns won the division. Right, or they, they won the division, right?
1: No. And
0: they beat the Steelers last week. Steelers played backups, all backups, but no, they barely. No, the Steelers won the division. I'm... Steelers won the division. Wait a minute, what did the – oh, the Browns made the
1: playoffs. Right, the Browns needed the win to make the playoffs. So they made the playoffs. Steelers won the division. Right, but this is a division game, so again – um These teams already played each other twice, and now they're playing again and on back-to-back weekends. Obviously, the Steelers are going to look a little bit different because they played a lot of backups. Um, But even though they played a lot of backups and even though the game didn't mean anything to the Steelers, they still played hard and they played to win. (laughs) That being said. (laughs) We'll have that conversation for sure. Yes, we will. So that being said, um, Mason Rudolph, who I just don't like, okay, but he had a pretty good game. I, I didn't even bother to, to, to make a note of his stats. I will say this, though. He threw the ball well enough to, um, to show off the Steelers wide receiver core, which, in fact, is a very good wide receiver core when they don't drop the ball. Their whole issue is dropping passes. Other than that, they got a bunch of good young ball players, Uh, Chase Claypool caught five balls for 101. Deontay Johnson caught three balls for 96. And Juju Smith-Schuster caught six balls for 65 yards. Uh, So that's their strength right now. Running the ball is not Pittsburgh's strength. Um, That could turn out to be a problem for them. If, in fact, they can't get James Conner going, it's going to be tough. Uh, The Browns defense does not stink by any stretch. They come and they ball and they play hard and they hit. Okay. So if the Steelers can't get their running game going, like I said, that could be a problem for them, even as good as their wide receiver core is. Now the Browns who won the game last week, 24 to 22 had to go all out to win the game, obviously, but they did their thing. I mean, uh, Baker Mayfield was not terrible. He threw for uh, 196 yards. He had a touchdown. Nick Chubb, 14 carries, 108. That's some tough running there. Only 14 carries, 108 yards, and he did score a touchdown on the ground. And, like I said, they shut down the Steelers' run game. I don't see the Steelers' run game being much better this game than it was last week, to tell you the truth. I really don't. I think that the Browns are going to come out with the same defensive mindset and they're going to depend on Baker to fill in uh, the blanks wherever Chubb or Kareem Hunt can't get it done. Um, If they fall behind, obviously it's going to be all in Baker's hands, but I don't think they're going to fall behind by much if they fall behind at all. I am going against the bias again, and I'm picking the Cleveland Browns to go into Pittsburgh and beat the Steelers.
0: Oh my goodness, Jiminy, Chris. Let me say real quick. I did want to say um, I read something on social media uh, where quarterback uh, for the Steelers. Why is his name escaping? Uh, um, Who, Big Ben? No, no, back up. Oh, Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph. And on the other hand, you had your defensive end from the Browns, who had the confrontation with him last week.
1: Yeah, Miles Garrett.
0: Miles Garrett. And they the quote was that when they spoke to Mason, he said after the game, Miles Garrett just went up and said to him, hey, you know, good game. He said, good game to you. And everything was cool and they're chill. And so. they Okay,
1: that's good. I'm glad to hear that. Yes. When the game ended, I was kind of trying – you know how they show shots of the field and guys shaking hands? I was trying to see if I could see that. I didn't see it, but I had hoped that it had happened, yes. Yeah, so
0: that that's that's how that ended. And so I think that that ending is much better than this ending that you're going to have, buddy, going with the – going. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, All right. You, we'll see. You really – you really uh... – going forward. Benny? All right, Ben, so I'm not quite sure when you fell and banged your head and made you decide to pick the Browns over the Steelers. But you have to live, because we only got six games. So your percentage is going to suffer big time, man. What? Five goes into 120 times, so six games. is Six is a little bit less than 20%. <laughs> Yeah, okay. but if they win, I look like a genius, though, right? If they win, you'll look like a genius. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. All right. Speaking of who look like geniuses, let's look at the Bias Plus Buster of the Week. Coach got fired. <laughs> Los Angeles Chargers with an unfavorable bias of 192 with a net wins of 1 excuse me, a plus 17, giving them a bias plus buster score of 209. Congratulations to the Los Angeles Chargers. Who did they play? (laughs) I forgot. They played the Raiders? Oh, no. No, 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 no. Let's try the Chiefs. They played the Chiefs. That's right. That's right. They played the Chiefs. Dustin Herbert, 302 yards. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Was he the surprise
1: of the year? Uh, there's been a couple of surprises, if you ask me. I mean, we, we're, we're going to do a show, I'm sure, on uh, – this was quite a rookie class, if you ask me, overall. Uh, receivers, quarterbacks, and running backs. This was a really nice rookie class. Guys came in, became starters, uh, some right away. Some earned their way, and they have really showed off, man. There's a bunch of teams with a bunch of really good young players going forward. What? Well, but if you're talking about quarterbacks. Okay. If we talk about quarterbacks, uh, I would say he's a surprise. Yes. You'd have to say that. I mean, let's face it. Sometimes you can kind of tell – especially when we're talking about quarterbacks in the first round. So you're selected as a first round quarterback. So the script says that you sit a year behind the starter and learn, okay, and be prepared to play the second year. But because you're a first rounder, if something goes wrong, injury, uh, ineptness, whatever it may be, we expect you to step in there and keep us rolling okay so some guys like Joe Burrow he was destined to be the starter from Jump Street and he did so game one okay but somebody like Justin Herbert was supposed to sit and wait and that's why they kept Tyrod Taylor because Tyrod Taylor had been on the teams familiar with the offense he's a veteran player you know veteran NFL player he he knows how things go And Herbert was supposed to learn from him, especially if nothing else, learn how to be a pro, okay, which is, you know, very important. Um, But then Tyrod Taylor went out with an injury, uh, a doctor-induced injury, unfortunately, and Justin Herbert was forced into action, and nobody knew how well he would do, and nobody expected him to do as well as he did. So, yes. Surprise is a really good word. Yeah, yeah. He was amazing.
0: He was amazing. All right. Uh, Let's see. Where are we at here? We are talking about the commentary portion of the show. Let's look at Ben and Barry on football on the Facebook page. We have just a few things that we want to comment about. We had Black Monday. Black Monday. This past Monday, Ben, the coaches were getting fired left and right. Adam Gase, finally. (laughs) (laughs) You said finally. (laughs) Jimmy, Christmas. Why did you hire him in the first place? Uh, You know, uh, Anthony Lynn, kind of don't feel good about that, you know. But uh, I don't know. Were were you one of the people that texted me when he had – he had a little snafu with the getting people on and off the, 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 the field at that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Doug Marone, oh, hey, it comes along with you, you know, you you get them the first pick of the draft and they fire you.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not, no, he didn't get them anything. <laughs> Their terrible play got him the
0: first. Ah. And I'm, you know, the thing is, we know the merry-go-round that these coaches go through. So it'll be interesting to see where they show up in assistant coaching jobs uh, over the next few years. I mean, uh, these guys wind up showing up someplace. There's usually somebody, some coach who uh, they have a good relationship with who takes care of them.
1: So. Yeah, that usually happens. And, and let's face it, uh, these guys all came up through the system and have been assistants or coordinators in the past. And I know a lot of head coaches, especially if, they have, uh, if they're have if they on good terms with these kind of guys, like to have them come in and be the uh, assistant head coach slash OC or assistant head coach slash DC. So I'm sure they'll land on their feet. Well, I'm sure Anthony Lynn will land on his feet. Uh, he will be an offensive coordinator for somebody. Uh, Adam Gase, I don't know. I, I don't know. He, It's a good possibility, but he obviously, you know, doesn't handle the press very well. Uh, his head coaching days may be over. Doug Marone, same thing. Uh, old, grizzled guy, uh, but not a great leader of men. I'm, I'm sorry to say the Jaguars were very uninspiring for the most part.
0: You know, in addition to coaches, you now you've got you know the, the things are opening up for GMS. I got to give it to um, the NFL Channel, and I'm um, the the, uh, the guy who was talking about all of the minority hirings. Uh, they they did a really good job talking about the different guys who are really ready, you know, and they've already look overlooked like you know the defensive coordinator for the um, Niners, offensive coordinator. For the Chiefs, uh, but the the one that's hitting the news right now is Nick Cesario, manager going to the Texans from the Patriots. Yes, and they you know the, the Texans are hiring this guy as if he's the you know the next coming. The interesting thing is that everybody's complaining about the Patriots not being able to <laughs> put talent around brady which is one of the reasons he left and that would have been the the general manager right or or do they have a player personnel is he is he absolved from the recruiting uh sense of the patriots
1: well when you're talking about a gm of the patriots you have to take into consideration how much say bill belichick has i mean the guy's got a lot of power so anybody that's a gm up there while he's up there is going to have to kind of go through him in the decision-making process. Uh, That's not to say that he's really good and and Belichick messed him up, because let's face it, they were winning. (laughs) You know what I mean? They didn't have outstanding talent several times and they won Super Bowls. So, you know, it might not have been big eye-opening talent, but it was winning talent. um, The Patriot way and the careful selection of players that people may not have respected uh, as great players turned out to be okay. So uh, it's hard to tell what you're going to get with that guy, but we'll see if they give him control, then this will be his first real test as far as how well he drafts, how well he works the free agent market, so on and so forth.
0: All right. Next up, something a little more fun. Little more cheery. Nate Burleson gets slimed ahead of the Bears Saints NFC Wild Card game on Nickelodeon. Oh, jeez! Guys <laughs> <laughs> on Nickelodeon now.
1: I, you know, no, what? not
0: just him. The NFC Wild Card game is going to be broadcast on a like a special Nickelodeon version of that game, broadcast on Nickelodeon. Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> oh, you like that part though? Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, I like that part. But I'm just saying, like, Nate Burleson's really getting around. Like this guy. But he got more jobs than uh, you know. <laughs> he's on network. He's on the network. He's on the 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 regular uh uh was he on channel 10? Yeah, on broadcast. Radio. He's he's doing yeah. he's doing games. He's done games.
0: Now he's yeah. on Nickelodeon. Woo, man. Yeah, he's got, got toe-drag swag now. It's becoming part of the jargon of the yeah. league. Yeah,
1: I got to give it to him. He's <laughs> he's doing his thing. <laughs> I, he's getting, you know, and he's, he's good. good. The guy's good. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying it like, you know, he's faking he's his way through this thing. The guy's good. He knows what he's talking about. He knows the players. He knows the game. Uh, that's a great thing, man. Good job, Nate. Good job. I'm telling you, um, Nate's everywhere, man, and
0: and uh, you know just getting it done. So you know, I ain't mad at him. Congratulations! I might I might slip over to Nickelodeon and take a look and see what they what they're throwing out there.
1: It would be curious to see how they broadcast this game. I wonder if they're going to have kid announcers. Hey, it's quite
0: possible. Here it is. <laughs> Bringing
1: kids and families a very special slime-filled presentation of the Bears up against the Saints in New Orleans It's a super wild card weekend, and that game will be Sunday at 4:30 p.m. Eastern. So, what is it? Well, it's going to feature one-of-a-kind kid-focused content, Nick-themed fun. You can imagine what that will be like, and it will all be throughout that game. But guess what? The best news of all, and they lucked out. Nate Burleson is going to be part of that broadcast
0: booth. Take a look. <laughs> What oh. is up, Nate? It's your friend Gabrielle Levine Green here. Now, we haven't met yet, but I have so much to tell you, and I am super excited to be joining you, Noah, and my friend Lex for the NFL wildcard game on Sunday, January 10th on Nickelodeon.
1: I can't believe it!
0: An NFL playoff game on Nickelodeon? How cool is that? Anyway, Nate, my new BFF, I'm playing a special little uh, surprise for you. Oh! Oh! oh
1: Okay, so they're gonna
0: have
1: to have children do this game. Well, it's a kids' station, so I wouldn't doubt it. That no, I think that's cool, man. I remind me if I forget to 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 tune in and watch a little bit of that for real. That's that's awesome. Well, if you love football, you're probably a
0: kid at heart anyway. So,
1: <laughs> I think that's
0: awesome. That's that's really good. You know, it'd be interesting, though. It just, it just kind of struck me. If if you had an um, NFL game broadcast on the Cartoon Network and all the players look like animations, like little cartoons, <laughs> Derrick Henry was running over people. It's, it's <laughs> called Madden. It's called Madden. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. 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 You know, you, you, you got that right. Okay, I can't argue with you on that, man. That's a good one. That's a good one. All right. On a little more serious notes, we have the NFL Players Coalition. You know, I always like to do something positive that the NFL is doing. I do believe I have this thing a little bit better tuned up than I had the last one. Let's see what they say about the NFL Players so the Coalition. Is one that must be all Take the battle against economic inequality. They fought by Operation Hope and the 49th in underserved communities, a cycle of generational poverty is to be expected. With the help of the 49ers and players like Fred, we're
1: helping people to get access to credit. It's key to empowering them to break this cycle. It takes all of us to end
0: racism.
1: That's excellent. Keep that
0: wonderful. Six. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, really.
1: That's uh, that's,
0: that's awesome. That's, that's what we're talking about. That's the Players Coalition, right? That's the Players Coalition. And, and you know, awesome. uh, we went to the Players Coalition website at one point on the show just to make sure people knew what they were doing, talked about how they're going actually going into the courtrooms and trying to deal with the criminal justice system from the inside out, as well as a number of other things, economic empowerment. And again, all part of the Inspire Change which is part of the NFL. So kudos to the Players' Coalition. Kudos to the NFL for the positive work that they are doing. And we are all watching the NFL to see how they handle, how the owners. Now, it's one thing that to have your bureaucracy, your administration, your organization doing things. question is going to be, are the owners going to hire people of color? in the top places, is it gonna to start to represent the actual numbers of the people involved at the player level?
1: We shall see. Yeah, we shall see. But you you know how I look at this thing, man. If it happens, I'm really happy about it. Uh, I'm sure if it happens, that person or persons will have earned it and, and deserve it. Um, but i still have this feeling that the majority of owners are simply trying to satisfy the Rooney rule and giving interviews to people just to say that they could say it i know this is a really negative sounding you know commentary from me but they got to make a believer out of me I, I don't and i'm not saying every team needs a black coach i'm not saying that i'm just saying that i love to hear That this guy and this guy and this guy are fully qualified uh, and should be getting interviews and then they get interviews and nothing ever happens. And what makes it worse is somebody who is hired has less credentials or, you know, less time in in NFL management or team management um, with any team. um, I mean, I understand the penchant for hiring college coaches. I kind of understand that. That's, that that kind of works along with the type of talent that's coming out, um, but I just hate to see guys that that really deserve it get overlooked. So you know, we'll we'll see what happens. All right, only 32 head coaching
0: jobs available like that in the world. <laughs> so that's a tough market. All right. Let's talk about the final game of the NFL regular season 2020 2021 Eagles R- Washington football team almost slipped out with it. Yeah, almost. <laughs> <laughs> and the the debacle that that turned into. You are a Giants fan? And your coach in particular, and I don't have this video, I'm sure you've seen it. So you can probably, you know, give it to us word for word. So I'll give it to you first to expound on how you feel about how that game went down and how it was handled in the press afterwards.
1: Okay, so, oh boy, sheesh. I've been thinking about this a lot. I've been looking at Twitter. I watched Joe Judge's um, post-game comments. Uh, Before I get started, I just want to say I am a Giants fan, but I am not going to say I'm mad that the Eagles lost and cost the Giants a chance to win the division and go to the playoffs because if the Giants really deserved to be in the playoffs – they would have beat the Eagles a few weeks ago when they had them head to head, and they wouldn't have had to worry about it. So, I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna leave that like that. Okay. Now, the things that Joe Judge said, I understand exactly what he was saying. People, it's crazy. It's like it's like Kaepernick meals and says it has nothing to do with the flag or the military, and people go, well, "What do you What do you think about that?" And they go. Well, I, I, that's insulting to the, to the flag in the military. He just said it ain't about that, okay? Same thing here, man. I don't think that he really was angry about the way the Eagles played in that game because it cost his team a playoff spot. Obviously, they wanted to be in the playoffs. Obviously, they wanted to win the division. They did what they had to do at the last game in order to earn the, the ability with help to get that spot. But you didn't get it. You left it in somebody else's hands and they didn't come through for you. You cannot cry about that. So if you're a Giants fan, stop crying, on oh, them damn Eagles, if they had don't give me that. Because if we had beat them head to head, we wouldn't have had to worry about it. Now, the long, long interview that Joe Judge had—I think he went a little deeper than I would have went with the whole these guys sacrifice and they work hard and they come in and they get tested every day and they got COVID hanging over their heads and they can't see their families and they can. I understand what he's saying on that too. But I think he should have kind of toned that down a little bit because that strikes a nerve with people who have relatives who are nurses and doctors and EMTs and police officers and this, that, and the other people that are going through the same kind of things on their jobs, like these football players are doing on their jobs. Okay. So he shouldn't have gone that far. All right. Because again, Folks get distracted. You hit a nerve sometimes. But everything he said actually was true. Yeah, they made sacrifices. But, you know, as usual, nobody cares because they make millions of dollars. So it's not that big a deal. Okay, fine. Now let's talk about the Eagles. You know, Doug Peterson just can't seem to do anything right. He's always in his own way. Everybody says you play to win the game. Every player who suits up doesn't go out there to lose. They go out there to play the best that they can and to attempt to win the game. That being said, if in fact, if in fact, from uh, 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 an organizational standpoint, you feel like it would actually be better for you to lose the game for a draft pick or whatever, there's a way to go about it, Okay. The word tanking in sports, to me, doesn't mean we're going to go out and lose on purpose. What usually happens is you put the team either by the talent that you assemble or, in this case, the talent that you have on the team that you actually put out on the field to kind of strategically lose, okay? Another analogy, all right? If the quarterback's under duress and he has nobody open, he knows if he can get outside of the tackle box and throw the ball out of bounds, but get it past the line of scrimmage. If he can do those three things, he will not be penalized in any way, shape, or form. And it's obvious intentional grounding, but it's not going to get called. That's what tanking is like. You got to lose the game, but there's a way to do it. All right, they should have either started Nate Sudfeld because they sat a whole bunch of other starters. They could have sat Hertz too. What the heck? They should have started him, or they should have brought him in to start the second half, and we wouldn't be hearing all of this mess. But he waits until Hertz has proven that he's struggling. And then Yanks, him and used that as an excuse when they were only down by three and he could have brought them back. There was a possibility that he could have brought them back. You bring Sudfeld in at that time, he ain't bringing them back. You know, the only thing that could have been worse is if they were winning and they pulled him. That would have been even worse. Okay. So to me, it's a slap in the face to the players. Overall, it's a slap in the face to the Eagles players, especially none of whom was with it. Nobody was with it. Nobody. Not near player. Nobody said, well, I understand. This. You know, none of them said it. They were all either shocked and or against it. Some said they were shocked or surprised, but they didn't say they were against it or that it was a wrong move. Some did. That's it. Relative to that, um,
0: I've listened to Kelsey and Brandon Graham and they sounded like good corporate men downplaying it. You know, wasn't that big a deal. And actually going along with what to me was the worst of it. I don't care. You know, whatever you did, you did. I didn't think you were trying to win the game when from the 10-yard line or whatever you were, rather than kick a field goal and tie the game up. Because as one guy said, and he said it really well, Hertz did what all you could ask for from a backup guy coming in. He got you in field goal position. That in itself is an accomplishment. I mean, let's face it, Brady won Super Bowls, not because he threw touchdowns. But because he got you in field goal position. Because a lot of those wins were field goals. Adam Vinatieri. You know what I'm saying? And so then you pull Hurts, you put in Sudfeld. And then you say you need to see him. You've had him for four years. Yeah, what do you you need to see? Huh? What do you need to see? So to me, it was the bald-faced lie at the podium that I find most egregious it's bad enough. You did what you did, but then you stand there and lie and say, we were trying to win the game. Come on, man. Really? You know, who who are you talking to? You must be talking to Eagle fans who'll just eat up whatever you say, or else you're just, well, you're like some of our politicians. You'll just say what's an obvious lie and stick with it and know that you can get away with it. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Obvious lie. So that's what I really didn't like about it. I didn't like, you know, the move, but okay. But then to come in and try to tell me that you were playing to win the game. Man, come on. I mean, it was a former Eagle who came up with that statement. You play to win the game. Herm Edwards. Herm Edwards. So I am a serious devotee of that concept. One of the things we admire so much about the Miami Dolphins was that when we saw administration, what we felt the administration was trying to tank, but the players went out there and said, "Uh uh-uh, you know, we're here to win the game. We were to win this game. We were so proud of the Dolphins for what they did, and we feel just the opposite about the Philadelphia Eagles I am a 49er fan, so, you know, I don't speak as an Eagle fan. I'm speaking, but we both speak from the point of, number one, we are football fans.
1: Absolutely.
0: And Absolutely. the last thing I'll say is, is, again, I agree with one of some of the commentators who said that the NFL should never have made that the grand finale game of the weekend. Never. You know, that that should not, you, you know, should not have been the game, um, you know, in that situation. You and I, when we talked about week 17, we actually kind of focused in, and I know I did relative to my intriguing game of the week, those teams that were, had to play week 17 and still had not uh, been eliminated or they had not clinched the playoff position. So you had two teams playing each other. For life. <laughs> for life yeah. and to go to the playoffs. So you had better options. Way better options, you know, for games that weekend. So for to give the Eagles uh that tribute or that, you know, that that's a good thing. That's a thing that you give teams that deserve it. And then they, they finish up the, the league the, the year like that, that's crazy. So Okay, that's all I, I have on that, you know. Uh, it's the lie that really bothered me the most, the bald-faced lie, and I don't know who you think you're talking to. <laughs> you're not talking to me. I'm not buying it. I saw the game. You don't right. pass up a field goal when you can tie the game
1: up and, and move go from there. But that goofball's been doing that all year. Even the Eagles fans have been crying about, why did he go for it there when they could have just kicked a field goal? Why are they going for two points here? When they could just kick for one and just go, he's been doing that all year.
0: So you think in his mind he that's that was playing to win? You think so?
1: Yeah, in his mind.
0: <laughs> and that's, he still got a job, eh?
1: On the, on the radio, they was calling Big Balls Dub.
0: And, and that, you know, that's almost as ridiculous as when Chip Kelly was trying to sell us that it was It wasn't time of possession. It was number of snaps that was most important. Yeah, that went over real well. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So we didn't buy that one. And I'm not buying that he was playing to win. And and again, and I've said this, you know, dude, when you have a chance to, to, to make the game even, it's a new game. From that point on, anybody can win the game, you know. Absolutely. So, all right. Anything else from your side? No, I'm good, man. Well, um, Ben and Barry on football, again, we have a podcast. We can be found on Spotify and on a number of other podcast forums. We are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. We are on Instagram, all three, and uh, YouTube, which is where you'll go to if you go to www.benandbarryonfootball please remember to hit the subscribe button and the notification bell so that you will receive notifications when we put out new videos. That's all for me. Benny, what you got?
1: Uh, I just want to say also, after you watch the video, if you have questions, comments, please put them in there. We want to hear from you. We love it that you're watching, but I want to hear from you. If you have, if you have concerns, uh, if you think I'm crazy, Put it in the comment section. I'll, I'll yeah, I do. It. I do. Yeah. <laughs> put it in the comment section. Last, I'm going to put a yeah. comment in. On the last Hey, comment. I, hey, I, I want to hear it because guess what? That means you're a football fan, okay? Right. And I love football fans because I am one, all right? So other than that, all I can say is go Knowles. <laughs>